you're a really effective leader. So what, what is your style? Well, I mean, it's definitely relationship based and people focused. You know, I think that especially, in, in, you know, in a, in a management leadership role and you have people that you are supervising or leading, they have to know that you care about them. Yes. I just believe that. That's like the baseline. Absolutely. Like, like, and, that's so basic. <laughs> Welcome to A Conscious Way Forward, a podcast about healing, reimagining leadership, and reinventing education. If you're a seeker, changemaker, or dreamer, you're in the right place. I'm your host, David K. Richards, and I'm on a mission to help individuals rise in consciousness and usher in a new paradigm of a more equitable and just global society. As an educator, founder and CEO, dadpreneur, coach, and ambassador for change, I share my conscious journey through real, raw, and relatable stories while engaging in conversations with a diverse group of guests. I discuss timeless wisdom teachings and how they've helped me navigate life, leadership, parenting, and heal my traumatic childhood wounds. If you're ready to come home to your soul's purpose, co-create a more equitable world, dream, act, and heal forward together, then please continue to listen. Hello, my intuitive warriors. Today, I have my part two episode with Andrea Johnson. We last learned that Andrea is a chill, humble Southern girl. She shared her stories about Atlanta, teaching in California, and raising two sons in our last episode. Today, she joins us again to discuss her experience leading as a heart-centered woman of color and an intuitive warrior. We discuss all the struggles and triumphs that come along with leading from your heart. You will learn that all of her worries about being too sensitive and too kind are actually the precise reasons why Adria has created a successful and heart-centered school in Growth Public Schools. This conversation is rich, critical, and vulnerable. But before we start, I wanted to let you know that I'll be doing a four-part series on intuitive leadership by interviewing some great guests. So be on the lookout for who that lineup will be. You're going to love it. And I really hope you enjoy today's conversation with Adria Johnson. Thanks, everyone. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Heart of the Matter and a Conscious Way Forward podcast. I'm with Mrs. Johnson again. We're in part two of our conversation. And last time we really talked about, we got to know Mrs. Johnson a little bit better. We talked about her journey a little bit and education. And because we want to focus on this podcast, not just education, but also on people's individual leadership journey. So hopefully as you're listening or watching, you can see yourself in the people that I'm talking to. And so I think Mrs. Johnson's a great example of somebody who's had this really awesome leadership journey as a woman, as a woman of color. And I think there's a lot of juice and a lot of cool things that we can talk about that hopefully you guys will appreciate. And I wanted to start, well, first just saying hello. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. Hello, Andrea. (laughs) And um, I wanted to start by asking, I know before we met and we work together at Growth Public Schools that you were actually a principal in a different role. Yes. And I thought it'd be interesting to kind of start with your first formalized leadership role, even though we know leadership is more than just the formal title, but at least kind of start there as a jumping off point. So can you tell us a little bit about your first role as a principal in another school? Sure. So I was, um, I was a principal at my old school PS7 for, mm-hmm. um, two years back in 2011, 12, and 
no, 10, 11, 12, and 12, 13 school year. Yeah. Um, so I did that role for two years and it was just like, it's, it's, it was a, it was, it's a blur because mm. I don't know, just being in that role in the school where, where I was having come from being a classroom teacher, it was just, <laughs> there was just so many layers to what made it just kind of a blur. And quite honestly, it was, it was challenging. It was just, it was really, really challenging. Yeah. You know, one from going to being, you know, your colleague's peer to then right. be their, you know, boss. Yeah. That in itself is a weird dynamic. Um, oh, yeah. And then also, a lot of the practices of a high-performing charter school like PS7, um, a lot of the like instructional practices and, and things like that, uh, in terms of like the hardcore, like, you know, you know, the hardcore stuff, yeah. it yeah. didn't really, really, really apply to my role as a first grade teacher because I wasn't a tested grade. So, oh, okay. we, so kinder and first, we we kind of like got off easy, if you will, with the hardcore, like pushing on X, you fill in the blank. And yeah. so moving into the leadership role where I now had to lead, you know, the, it, it lead in this same kind of like dynamic. It was a little, it, it was, it felt odd. It was, it felt mm. off to me. Right. Um, and so I think, in those two years, I don't think I was actually leading. Mm. I think that my supervisor was leading and he was just telling me what to do to right. lead. Like I don't, I don't, I don't believe that my my full leadership style, potential, capacity at all came out in those in that in those two years in any way. Um, it, it was a lot of, as I shared in the last um, time we chatted you know, there, there started to be kind of like a shift in how I was feeling about my role at that school and how I felt about the mission and, and just all the things that I felt were missing, you know? Mm, yeah. And so maybe that was what prompted me to like want to try a different role and even going out to mm. be the, the principal. Right. And then once I got into it, it was, and don't get me wrong, like, it was great. Like the community for one was like super excited to have finally like, Oh, this black woman is in, is the principal now Miss Johnson. is oh, yeah. now, And it was like, I had a lot of support from just like mm. the greater community, but yeah. you know, also just like a lot of stress because feeling like I needed to operate in a way that one, I never had to as a teacher there being first grade and like outside of the whatever, whatever, and then also having to just operate in a way that I just deep down didn't believe in, you know, and, you know, things, for example, there, there is, there is a, a bit of a, like, whatever it takes kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. And what, and you, you know, fill in what you want with that, how you, what that means to you, whatever it takes, but I'll just do an example of like, um, work-life balance you know mm -hmm. there is a there is a there was just like a way where it was just like no you get the job done you 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 work until it's done 
Mm-hmm. Whether you're stressed out, your hair falling out, you know, can't see your kids, like whatever, like it doesn't, that doesn't matter. Get the work done. And mm-hmm. I just have never operated in that way. Don't get me wrong, I'm a hard worker, but I don't really believe in that. You know, I think that it's, your work should not kill you. And I can see that. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> what a concept. you're a super hard worker, by the way, super hard Thank worker. you. Um, but I just, I truly, truly believe in balance and just like sustainability and yeah. caring for your people and letting them know that you see them and you want them to be their best. And if that means they need to rest, they need to rest. And that just, yeah. I don't feel like that was fostered and I wasn't even really allowed to lead like that. Right. Did you right. hear what I just said? Allowed to. <laughs> yeah. That's what, yes. That was what it was, you know? Yes. Um, so, so many. So- Okay, so yeah, yeah. Let's break it down. So basically, <laughs> what you're really calling out is number one, your leadership style, which I want to hear from you what it is, was not really supported. And then you're also calling out kind of like the factory model, the 20th century, the 1930s management style. And let's be clear, a lot of people, I would say every single person listening, is going to have worked in some environment. And the funny thing is, you're talking about a school. People are like, oh, it's not everyone holding hands, <laughs> like, and being like, you know, loosey goosey. No, no, no. So, um, but a lot of people have worked in corporate America or wherever it may be, where there's this top-down hierarchical mm-hmm. leadership model. Mm-hmm. And you say things like, I wasn't allowed, I wasn't, you know, if you've ever called a state agency and you talk to the person at the bottom, like the way they treat you is because they don't have any power. So they got to treat somebody, you know, <laughs> like they got to yeah. have power over somebody. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, so let's start with, let's talk about your, your leadership style. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think it is? What makes your you're a really effective leader. So what, what is your style? Well, I mean, it's definitely relationship-based and people-focused. You know, I think that, especially in, in, you know, in, a, in a management leadership role and you have people that you are supervising or leading, they have to know that you care about them. Yes. I just believe that. That's like the baseline. Absolutely. Like, like, and, that's so basic. <laughs> like, but it... You, I mean, I was just really floored that that wasn't like f- considered top, you know, at the top of the priority list. Right. So, so yeah. So if I were to describe my leadership style, it's definitely a relational, you know, relationship-based, people-focused, you know, leader. Mm-hmm. I have, I have come to terms with that, honestly, because I. You know, I am, I've always been like a feeling person. People call me sensitive. You know, you cry all the time. But, you know, we talked a little bit at the last time, you know, that I haven't always seen that as a strength in me, that I am a feeler and that I am, you know, sensitive and I can empathize and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you take that component of who I am you put me into a, an environment or a role where I'm not a, allowed to, or that's not important, I guess. I don't know how to really not say valued it. or yeah, not, not valued. part of the culture. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I started to think, oh, well, I shouldn't, that's not a good thing that I'm, that I'm caring so much about the people. And so, you know, it, it continued on in my my leadership role like I guess it comes out it came out anyway because anytime I would get feedback like I remember I had to do something like a 360 
feedback process or in my evaluation as a principal, my supervisor would like, you know, gather feedback from the, some of the teachers on the team. And without a doubt, without like every single time through, throughout the feedback, the, the thread line or the through line was she cares, she cares, she cares. Like that was a bad like, thing? Huh? Was that like a bad thing that you cared too much? Or well, was it just like the feedback in general? So it was, it was part of the feedback in general. Okay. And when I would get feedback on that feedback, <laughs> it was always, well, you, you know, that's great, but like, how are you right. driving right. this? I see. Yeah. And so I started to see that as like, I even started, I think I even told you one time, like I, because then even going into to grow public, same thing. Like anytime I hear from my team members, they're, Audrey, you're just so understanding. I feel so supported. That and I and I would say, I think I said to you one time, that's great and all, but I want people to say, but and you've really pushed me and now I'm a better teacher because of you. And I know this mm-hmm. cool instructional strategy because you pushed me and da 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 da. And so I not even, I mean, just a few years ago, I was kind of like in that place where, yeah, that's fine and I'm supportive and people love that about me, but this <laughs> that's not good enough. I want this other thing yes. over to be said on the so I'm so again, so I'm just like I'm just coming to terms with the fact that that is that's okay. Yes. It's good and I'm proud of that because yes. that's not something that is easily like you 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 can't go to principal school <laughs> and take a course on how to support your teachers. You know, right. you can go to principal school and take a course on how to use data and right. that and the other thing, how to hire well, how to, you know, interact with families, but that thing that's in me that's so natural and innate mm-hmm. and that it comes out without me even really thinking about it like that's a gift and i'm like yes 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 friday uh, october 16th 2020 <laughs> can stay with confidence that that is a gift and i and i truly truly believe that and i'm very very proud of that in me so okay pause for a second pause okay. for a second because <laughs> Literally the first, like the episodes before you are all about intuitive leadership and how we really have to lead intuitively and we have to like really be heart centered and, and understand that that's a gift and that the people listening right now, I guarantee you most of them probably had an experience where they're in a job, mm-hmm. in a context, in a place where somebody either told them or the cultural conditioning or society made them feel that their intuition, the way they could care for people and love people and show people and just intuitively know exactly what to say in a meeting and all that, that that was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And then if you listen to what you were saying in your first role as a principal, you were literally saying, I was in resistance to myself. Like I was in resistance to the best version of myself. Mm-hmm. Like my greatest gift is that I'm intuitive, that people feel the love, people feel cared for. And then you thought something was wrong with you and you were in resistance to that. So I want to pause and say to everyone who's listening, one of the (laughs) reasons I wanted to interview you is because that is literally your greatest gift, your greatest, greatest, greatest gift. And it's so incredibly critical to leadership. Like 83% of the American workforce is disengaged or highly disengaged. Yeah. Because what we think leadership is, is where you're allowed to do something or you have to ask the person above you. And then you tell the person below you and I'm here to tell you that 2020 has 
pulled the rug out from under us and those <laughs> days are over. Yeah. From basically 2021 and beyond, or from today, you said October 16th. So October 16th and beyond, <laughs> the leaders that are just bulldozing and doing all these things, like that, that is what makes you the most effective leader. And I, I really, so I just want you to talk more about that. Like what were some of the places along the way where you started to learn how to trust yourself more as a leader, trust your intuition, trust your, um, the things that, you know, you might've ignored before. Like what, what did that look like or what's that? Yeah. I don't know. I just think I really don't, I can't, I don't know the answer to that. It just, I, I don't know if I, you know, necessarily paid attention to when the shift was happening. Yeah. But honestly, I can say though, it's only been like within the last year or so that I really have come to terms and accepted that, that it's a gift and it's a good thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I know that didn't. No, that's fine. No, that's, that's fine. I just curious if you had something to share about that, but let's also bring out the um, experience as a leader, not only as a woman, but as a black woman and living in a white dominant culture where you and I have done a lot of, well, I haven't done the trainings. You've talked to me about the trainings. <laughs> You've done trainings with the teachers around the white dominant culture, white supremacy, and really breaking down what the white dominant culture is all about. Yeah. And your story, it's about the, what is it? The rule of the written word, um, mm -hmm. you know, all about data, cite your source. Um, I mean, I can't remember all of them right now, but I'm sure, I'm, I know you can. <laughs> so, but yeah, I just want to hear from you because I feel like your greatest strength is when you can really tap into the whole version of yourself, which you brought up last time. Do you feel like you can be the whole version of yourself? And what, you know, what is it, what is it like trying to lead in a world where the white dominant culture is like yeah. everything? Well, I can, I can talk a lot about that. So I'm going to go like that. a step back, like a, a few steps back okay. to when I was at PS7 and just like when I entered into the role and I was offered a salary. Mm. So my first principal job, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know like what principals should be making. I don't even, I didn't even go Google it. You know, I just was like, right. just happy to be here and be able to like support my school and all that kind of stuff. So the offer I was given, now that I <laughs> think about it, it was like, it was garbage, it was trash. And so me not having the skill set to even know how to like advocate for myself and negotiate a salary, um, I, I, I just, I just accepted it and I just took it and I was, you know, and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't have, it, it wasn't until my co-principal at the time, who was a white woman, we were in a budget meeting and she, we were looking at, you know, the budget of the school and she saw mine and then, and she was like, that's your salary? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, we have to do something about that. And so she just like gets on a roll and was like, this is what you need to do. Da, 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 da. Great girl. Um, I mean, she, we were, she was really, really great. And and, I, and so when I saw what hers was, it was considerably more than mine. And now, you know, thinking back the on- The same job, like literally the exact same job. Except it was elementary and middle school. So but basically the basically same- Basically the same job, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about it, and, I, and going back to thinking about, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to advocate for myself. I never had to do that. Never been in a, even in a position where I had to, or 
that's just not something that I grew up learning how to do or that's just, that wasn't a part of my world, you know? Maybe it's because I I don't know, because I'm black. Mm -hmm. But like, we just, that wasn't something that we, that I ever even thought about. It wasn't, it never like, you know, so, but I'm thinking about my, my partner there, you know, white woman. She probably has those skills and she probably, when she was presented her offer was like, Oh, my dad taught me that, 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 that. I don't know if that's how it happened, but you know, but she had that ability. Yeah. And so, and I'm just guessing here, but I, I think that that yeah. played a large part in, in it. Yeah. Um, I was going to, Oh, so fast forward <laughs> to a couple years ago, opening up GPS and there was a particular colleague that I majorly like bumped heads with mm-hmm. and talking about like how did I begin to see that like my particular style was okay and Mm. juxtaposed to white dominant culture and all that kind of stuff it definitely started to rear its head and I started to like notice and pay attention to to things um Mm -hmm. in this particular like situation and you know I I started it was just like a you're not supposed to make comparisons but I started to just kind of like compare how it was happening in this scenario and then like what I would be doing. And it just was like, like in your face blatant. And it was hard to navigate. It was really, really hard to navigate. And, and so in my, my natural way is to like, let's talk about it, you know, let's, let's have a conversation Mm -hmm. and probably naive of me (laughs) to, to think that that would like work, but you know, had a conversation and then just like, I was just like absolutely stunned with the response Mm -hmm. and, you know, still just kind of unpacking the pieces even now today that happened like probably three years ago, but still just unpacking the pieces and, and just the way that you were talking about those elements of white dominant culture. I could just like, I probably could like connect a dot to Mm -hmm. each one of them from yeah. that scenario, you know? Yeah. So I think that that was a real pivotal mm-hmm. point for me of like finding my voice mm-hmm. and and like not being afraid to, I don't know, just call it out and mm-hmm. and, and say things and, and more importantly, just like trust myself. Yeah. I have a thing, I have a pet peeve that I really, I hate when I second guess myself or if some of a situation occurs and makes me like rethink what my mm-hmm, gut says. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there were moments where that was happening all the time. And I finally just was like, this is crazy. Enough yeah. is enough. Like, yes. no, like this is not okay. And we yes. have to do something about it, you know? Yeah, no, I was just thinking as you were sharing your, um, <laughs> you, you really don't like it when you, I know you so well, when you, when somebody makes you second guess, and I have similar examples to that too. And one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast is because so interesting thing happened with um, our data person at the school where they were running the numbers on the enrollment and they were like, we need to, um, we, you know, we're supposed to have 56 kids for kindergarten, two classes about, right? And I was looking at the numbers in July-ish and it was like 54. And I'm like, but I just had this kind of intuitive feeling that it'd be 75. So I told the data person, I said, 
this is a problem. It's July and we have to go tell Mrs. Johnson that we need a third teacher <laughs> because <laughs> I remember. something's going on here. Mm-hmm. Like, something's going on here. And the data person and the couple of people on the team that were doing operations and data, like the numbers people were like, no, you're wrong. Like very aggressively coming back at me saying like, you're wrong. Where's your data? And the old version of me would be like, oh gosh, maybe I am wrong. I would second guess. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh gosh, yeah, I'm so bad at math. Like I probably just read the spreadsheet wrong and be like, I must be wrong. And around that time I was doing a lot of, you know, getting a lot of coaching and working on a lot of things around like intuition and stuff. And I, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> back home. And I'm like, wait a minute. I just keep getting like an intuitive whisper. There's going to be 75 kids here on August 20th, whatever day we started. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened? 75 kids to a T showed up on yep. day one. And I went and told you, and after about a week of going back and forth and having like literally like uncomfortable arguments with the data and operations people, then being like, wait, I actually am the founder. So I get to tell you that I don't care about your data. I really don't care about your data because truth is truth with a capital T. And I know this is true. So I don't have any numbers for you, but I'm telling you right now that I'm going to tell Mrs. Johnson, she needs a third teacher. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But this, I get to pull founder privilege. And then we have the 75. But I'm telling this story because I feel like that's what happens to you with the second guessing is that you know intuitive, you're highly intuitive. Mm-hmm. You know, when the message is like clear and you have that feeling and I've worked with you, you know, for a while and you'll be like, just, just got that feeling. Like it's just a gut feeling. And then, you know, it's true. So when someone comes from the outside and tries to tell you, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. That's why that drives you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And even more so not necessarily somebody coming from the outside, but when it's me telling me I'm wrong. Right. You know, that's even worse. Oh, let's break that down. Yeah. Let's break that down. Yeah. So what does it look like? Like for you, what happens when you start to second guess yourself? Well, yeah, I just get really, (laughs) I get, um, I get really nervous Mm. and I get really emotional. And I don't know if you remember, um, this is my first time telling you this. So, and it's partly true, but partly there was more to it than what I was letting on. But okay in the first year, whenever like something would be like really brewing and I would get teary and I would tell you, oh, I get teary when I'm tired. But that's not actually true. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I mean, yes, when I'm tired, I am extra emotional, but really more of what it was, was something just didn't feel right. And I didn't know what to do about it. And I felt powerless. Yes. Yes. So coming into the leadership team of Grow Public Schools, there was me, mm-hmm. and then I came into an already formed, like I was the third one hired on the leadership mm-hmm. team. So I, yeah. I feel like I came into something that was already established. Yeah. And, you know, me not having ever done startup before and all that kind of stuff, I didn't really understand how much my input was needed and right. necessary for, think, you know, for what we were developing and everything. So anyway... Yeah. I think it, part of that, so coming into a leadership structure that was already set up, you and your white maleness, mm-hmm. and there was also another white leader, mm-hmm. and me, who I am, like, okay, I know my place. I know when to speak up. I know when to shut my mouth. I'm not, you mm-hmm. know, part of it is just my personality. I'm not, like, going to force my opinion right, right. on anything, and I think also just how I'm socialized without really even knowing like you don't do that when you Mm -hmm. do it with two white folks no you just 
keep cool, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. But there will be there will be moments where you know all three of us were leaders, but mm-hmm. and there will be moments where we would be needing to decide something or a conversation was being had, and I could feel my gut telling me that we needed to do one thing, but I would not say it. I would not mm-hmm. speak up because xyz reason yep. and then i would get teary and you'd be like oh are you tired <laughs> yeah, I had a long day. i'm just so tired so, yeah so i mean it so again it just didn't it took a while for me to mm-hmm. and, and honestly I, I i owe you a lot for that because you were very you were adamant that i was the leader and that you wanted me to know that and trust that and and operate as such. And so just in how we had our check-ins and you know, I just I all I I have always felt that from you that you like trusted me and and like that's why you have me here because I'm supposed yeah. to be, you know. Um and, and it was interesting because going back to my relational leader strength mm-hmm. and style. So when we were, you know, opening and everything and nobody was, it was just us and like a couple other people like planning before school started. And mm-hmm. the dynamic was what I described, like, yeah. oh, it was you guys and I'm just here and I'm going to like speak up here and there. But once the people arrived, whether that be the, <laughs> yes. the, the teachers or the kids or the families, there was like, oh, looking shift. at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a total shift. And it became clear, clearer mm-hmm. to some that, yeah, this one right here, yeah, she's she's actually in charge, you know. And <laughs> yes. it was it was uncomfortable, and and it wasn't it didn't make everybody happy. Let's just say it. Yes, way. yes. So well, so and I wanted to share that. Well, you don't owe me anything, but that's fine. But no, but I did want what I did want to share with you is that the reason I always reminded you that you were the leader is because you were the mirror of me you were the mirror of the former version of me, which is like, I had a great mentor who would put me into leadership positions and I'd always be like, oh, I don't really belong here. Or like, oh, I'm, I'm too insecure. Or like, oh, I'm too quiet. Or I, I get too nervous. Or, oh, you know, imposter syndrome. Like, oh, well, I don't really know what I'm talking about. Like, oh, she's just, it's just a growing charge school. So she had to pick somebody, you know, like whatever stories you want to tell yourself. And so I saw that in you and I'm like, oh, I got a mirror back to her that this is really, like I hired her because I don't know anything about elementary schools. Like you are the expert. And so every time I saw you do that, it was really just me seeing the previous version of myself that I was like, I don't want her to have to go through that since I already did. Yeah. And really, I feel like most places would not really, um, like they'd be like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you stepping up? You know, and that's how it happened to me. It was just like painful. Mm-hmm. like people constantly judging me and being like well you're the leader why aren't you speaking up oh, why aren't you doing this why aren't you doing that why are you so why do you care about the people all the time why, why don't you worry about the numbers and all that kind of stuff and I'm like no I'm not building an organization that's going to be about that and honestly we had we I made some not bad choices I just made choices that I didn't know better until later like the, the leadership structure was not the right leadership structure mm-hmm. and, and then we changed we were in open multiple schools and then we changed it and so it was really clear that you were the leader. And I really, I want people listening to really understand that even though you were put in the position as the leader and the expert that you self-sabotaged, yeah, which is fine because we all do it. 
Mm -hmm. I just want people to understand that Mm -hmm. because we all do it to ourselves all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you just, you said you're the expert. So that's like another, I feel like part of my growth that I'm experiencing, still experiencing. And I, I'm, that, that is like in my professional capacity and just personally that like, I have something to offer. Like it's really starting to sink in that like, I am a good person. Like I have gifts and skills Mm -hmm. that are valuable and, you know, and it's just, I'm, I mean, little things are happening just like in my personal life that are like starting to confirm that. And it's weird because (laughs) you, I don't know. Cause it's just like, I don't like to, I'm not like, I don't, I don't like to boast or like puff myself up. You know, I, mm-hmm. I much rather like be in the background and things like that. And so, mm-hmm. but just hearing like people's just different things that have been happening and, you know, and sharing with me that like, I bring value to this or I am important here or things like that, that I never really thought about, about myself. And it's not to say that I, have like low self-esteem or anything because right, I don't think right. that that's the case but I just have never like viewed myself in that way that I'm bringing like value to x scenario mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. so but I, I do have as we were talking I do have like in a, a moment where I kind of started to you were talking about my leadership journey and oh, so yeah 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 yeah. I have a moment that I think was pivotal for oh, me and cool. kind of like where I am today okay so it was going back to the not having the advocating for myself skills yes yes <laughs> in my first role and so okay. a few years ago when I came to you <laughs> about advocating for my salary oh yeah <laughs> and <laughs> I had like I was so nervous and I typed up this whole like scripts that I like had on my computer while we were, you were sitting on the other side of my desk and I like had it up so that I could like look at it and read from it and I like practiced with my hubby like and I was like what do you think about that, Is that should I say that you know and <laughs> and just to so when I when we did have that conversation one it was like huge for me I was very very proud that I like found my voice and I spoke yeah. up for myself because never really done that before just general in general you know mm-hmm. across all walks of all of my parts of my life right um but then to hear it be validated on the other end like for you to be like actually you don't even need to say that i was already you know and, and it just felt really good so <laughs> it made me say because my gut was saying you need to do this you need to say this this you need to advocate and then to have it be you know, validated and com- it just confirmed for me that, okay, your gut was not lying to you. Exactly. I'm glad you did that. Now, you know, we're where we are. So. And I think I actually said to you, oh no, I was literally going to talk to you about this either like today or mm-hmm. to next week or like we were on the exact. So then I'm like, it's cool. You don't need to go. And you're like, no, 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 no. I really want to practice. <laughs> yeah. And I remember telling the poor chair about that. And he looked at me like, y'all are weird. Like he, he didn't even understand it. Cause he's, <laughs> it's a business guy. So he yeah. was like, she wanted to add, you told her she was getting raised and she wanted to practice, like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, you don't understand our relationship. You don't understand that. <laughs> but the thing about finding your voice is so critical because I really do think for me, as my, my journey as a leader, I literally did not speak up 
in a meeting at all. <laughs> and then, like at some point my mentor said, you talk like once every four weeks and it's like the most important thing that's anyone said. And you use like five words to say it and everyone listens. So could you please talk more? And I remember telling you the same thing. I'm like, like, we just, we got to find our voice. So for me, it was like at every different step along the way, I started finding the comfort in my own voice, like saying it out loud. And, and even just doing this podcast was like a huge step for me. Cause it's like, Oh wait, your voice is going to be out there. Like you're going to be using your voice all the time. And yeah. so when you said you heard, you found your voice, I was like, Oh, I was like music to my ears because yeah. that is my dream for everyone who's listening for every leader who doesn't fit. This podcast is all about leaders that don't fit the box of, you know, the traditional white male leader that everyone expects to be the leader. It's like, no, if you don't fit that box, then my dream for you is that you find your voice, you trust your intuition, you trust yourself, you don't second guess yourself, you advocate for yourself, like all the things you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Um, and, and the whole thing about you, you, you know, you not talking in meetings, but when you do talk, it's like, what everybody is thinking is like the thing to say. Like I have similar experience with that because you know I'm a quiet person and I've never yeah. just like been vocal and things. But I have found it, it it it's always been a part of me. But again, it's just one of those things where people in my life just thought it was something silly or like I would get teased about it. Like there used to be yeah. my family used to like call things Drea questions because they would be like <laughs> silly questions. But it would be something that I would be thinking about and then I would say it out loud and then everybody would be like, oh, that's a real question. But then it like sparks conversation and people start thinking about things. And so again, just going back to like these qualities in me that I, that I like value now for my, that I'm proud of have not, as I, you know, over the course of my life, not always been like nurtured or uh-huh. supported or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I can, I mean, I think that, and I think that that's one of the cool things about being the leader at GPS, because so since we've been at, in, in this distance learning uh, situation, I've done a couple of like, just like videos out to the families, just to kind of sharing my thoughts on what's going on at a particular time. And each time I did it, I would get feedback from families. Oh, I was thinking that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was hoping yeah that I've been feeling that way and it just feels so good to hear you say it, you yes, know? So yes, it makes yes. me, yeah, like, okay, that's a good thing. So like, keep following that gut. And as much as I hate, you know, recording the videos and seeing myself <laughs> on the thing and listening to my little country voice on the video, <laughs> it's good because it helps, it, it confirms for people and it kind of like eases some anxieties or, or worries or whatever that mm-hmm. might be going on in, in the community. And I think, you know, that's part of my role is to, make sure that the people are good even the family like you see how that just like even in that little way of just Mm -hmm. making a video makes the people feel like they're cared for and that they're yes you know supported so and you're using the sixth sense to really feel into like what is it that your people need what is it that's happening and even what's crazy is even though they're not in the building because you're so good at doing it when they're in the building but when they're not in the building you're still you still can just like feel the energy you can feel what the parents are feeling. Well, I mean, you have your own kid in the school, which helps, but like you can, you can kind of connect with that and then just share, share it so precisely. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up, but I wanted to just make sure people hear that 
anyone can be a leader. Everyone already is a leader. <laughs> and that all this, we need to break down all the beliefs about leadership and that you have to be a certain way and act a certain way. And I hope that you, Mrs. Johnson's story helped you see that sometimes you just need the support and you need, you know, you need, you need to believe in yourself and to go for it. And hopefully you find people along the way, like I did and like you did that are going to be supportive and not continue to perpetuate the same old, same old, uh, the same old type of people sitting in the leadership positions over and over again. And I don't know how many times people would say to me, Oh, you're going to be the manager. Right. <laughs> I was like, well, I am smart and I'm really good, but I know why you're really saying that <laughs> because of the way I look. So I'm like, I'm not dumb enough to, to not um, recognize that and acknowledge that. So, but is there anything else you'd like to share as we um, kind of finish up and say goodbye? Uh, well, the one thing that was like coming to mind is how I've over the course of my life, like these little things have taken place. Like, Oh, the drill questions or oh, yeah. being super sensitive, crying at the drop of the, of the dime. And I just, I think about if I, at those points in my life had recognized those mm. things as qualities that just needed to be developed, you know, like not, not that I'm saying what if, but I guess maybe I'm just encouraging people to not write things off yes. as like, you know, bad character qualities or stuff like that but just like look at all those little small things like those examples of it's just like what is this developing in me and how can this yes. turn into how can this you know work itself into my leadership style or yeah. or or what have you so i guess it's just like not 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 writing off those small little things that you think yes. might be bad Oh, no. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. And you're, and you know, my, my niece is 28 and she told me that she loves the podcast. And I'm like, anyone who's younger, especially to be hearing that these parts of yourself that you don't love, yes. love all the parts of yourself, love all the parts of yourself, because there's going to be all the noise on the outside that tells you, Oh, well, you're not this, you're not good at math. You're not that, or you're, if you're good at math, you're not good with people, whatever it may be. And there's going to be all the outside, the collective other that tell you all the things you're bad at and, all, and then you create stories around it, you stress yourself out. And then at some point, hopefully, you know, you reach 40 and you're like, wait, why didn't I listen when I was 28 and, and realize that all these things were strengths and I was sitting here spending all this time resisting myself and how about just give myself more love than I've ever given and letting these strengths just come out and be superpowers. Yep. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right well thanks again i'm glad we're able to do two parts and yes. hopefully people were able to really glean a lot of cool lessons from your journey that they can use in their own lives i hope so too this right. was fun <laughs> super fun i could talk to you forever all right i know <laughs> see you later all right thank you david thank you. all right i hope you enjoyed our conversation Andrea said it, don't write things off. Look at those small things and pay attention to what's developing in you. Because you can do this. Sometimes it takes direct and sometimes blatant experiences like the ones Andrea shared to really recognize that you do have something to offer. So I hope you took something away from our conversation and I look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you. Mm -hmm.